Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. John says in 1 John chapter 4 that we love him because he first loved us. He reached out to us. We didn't reach out to him. In Revelation, Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's the type of relationship that God wants to have with us. Uh, Roberta, she, uh, she fellowships with uh, different ladies from the church every so often. She goes out and has a meal with them and they they uh, share things with each other and uh, talk. And that's the kind of relationship that, um, that God wants to have with us. He wants to come in, sit down with us, and have a deep relationship with us. Listen to what Paul told the Ephesians. In uh, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The fullness of God. What what is the fullness of God and how can we have it? The fullness of God doesn't just come out of having a knowledge of God. It comes out of experience, having a relationship with God. We're never more spiritually healthy and happy in our Christian walk than we are when we have experienced the love of God and know how much he really has affection for us and has acceptance for us. I heard Max Lucado tell this story one time. He was... um, he was in Israel, and he was walking down the street. And some of the streets in Israel are very, very crowded. It's like, I guess, New York City. And he was walking down the street, and all of a sudden, he hears this little child's voice saying, Abba, Abba. And he, and he looks, and here's this little girl running. Apparently, she had uh, misplaced her father. And she was, she was crying, Abba, Abba. And he said, then this, this guy, he comes up behind her and he picks her up. And when she turns, she sees his face and, and she cries out one last time, Abba! And she puts her arms around his neck and he puts his arms around her and just hugs her, gives her a big bear hug. I, I got to tell you, when I, was, when I was preparing this message, I, I thought of that story and I got a little emotional because I, I thought about some of the things that people in the church are going through And I just thought how much we needed for God to pick us up and give us a big hug and for us to holler, Abba, right? And doesn't that give a whole new meaning to to Paul's words in Romans? Listen to what he said in Romans 8, 14 through 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received Brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Don't you love that? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, 
God came down to walk with them as he had done before. He walked with them in the cool of the days. But this time they hid themselves. And God said, where are you? Now, I don't think he was a physical where are you. I think it was a spiritual where are you, okay? Something very precious had been broken between God and Adam and Eve. And God has worked ever since then to repair what was broken. When he said, where are you? He was talking about the distance that Adam and Eve had put through, had put between themselves and God with their sin. But God has worked ever since that time to close the chasm of that distance. He's, he's worked ever since then to bring us back to him, right? And uh, I, th- I, think of, uh, I think of Jesus talking in Luke, and he said uh, in Luke uh, 15, when he was talking about the prodigal son, he said, while he was still, the, the prodigal son had gone away, and then he came to his senses and said, yeah, I need to get back to my father. And Jesus said, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And when I read that, I think again of of the uh, Max Lucado story of the little girl and being picked up. God knew where we were, that uh, where they were physically. The question I believe, and and I'm going over this a little bit more, is uh, to the point was. The same question he asked them is the same question he has been asking people ever since that day. Where are you? And the answer is, we are away from you, God. And God says, I know you are, right? But he says, I've got an answer for that. And that answer is Jesus. He sent his son Jesus to bring us back to him. He sent his son Jesus to restore that relationship that we were originally created to have with him. Paul goes over, uh, if, if, we, if we were to, uh, to want that relationship, which in our fallen state we don't, it would be hard for us to come back to that relationship without, without his leading. Um, In Romans chapter one, Paul goes over a whole list of uh, reasons that are things that God gave us over to, and they are pretty much reasons why we don't actually, in our own nature, want to come back to him. But God, our, our father, Abba, he wanted us back. And listen, listen to what Paul told, told the Ephesians. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus." He didn't leave us. <clears throat> he didn't leave us in our wretchedness, in our own desires. The ones that Paul talked about. If you go back and read them, at the, they're at the end of uh, of uh, Romans chapter one. He didn't leave us in that condition, but um, 
The plan of, the plan of redemption is all about, listen, listen to what, uh, what uh, John said. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That was the plan of redemption, that God may dwell with us uh, and that we may dwell with him. That was his whole desire. Jesus came to put us in a right relationship with God again, okay? And that's good, but listen, Jesus didn't just come to earth, die on the cross, and get raised again so that we could have knowledge about what he did, right? Yeah. He didn't just come so that we could teach others what he did. Jesus came, listen to this, and here's this word again, so that we could experience a relationship with him. He came not just so that we could tell others that we have a relationship with him. He came so that we could introduce him to others so that they could have a relationship with him. Yeah. Have, you, have you ever been talking to somebody about someone and how oh, they're such a great person and, this and, that, and then they, all of a sudden they're there and you say, hey, this is the one I was telling you about. Well, that's what we want to do with Jesus. Hey, this is the guy I was telling you about. Yes. Yeah. Listen to, what the, listen to what Jesus said in John 14. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. In verse 23, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. Listen to this. And we will come to them and make our home with them. That's what he wants. He wants to come and make his home with us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, listen, the, in, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit isn't just power to, for works of ministry. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the vessel, the vessel by which God comes and makes his home with us, okay? He's in us that we may experience God's desired relationship, and to the extent that we experience that relationship is the extent to which we can't stop sharing him with others, Listen to what Rook, Rook, I got a little bit of a speech impediment. Listen to what Luke writes about Peter and John being brought before the leaders in Jerusalem, okay? In Acts 4, he says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Do you ever wonder if somebody was gonna say, hey, look, I'm, I think you've been with Jesus, have you, ever, have you ever wondered uh, when you go up to somebody if they can, they can see God working in you and through you, if they can see Christ in you? That's, that's the relationship that God wants us to have with him. He, he doesn't just want us to be able to tell other people about him. He wants other people to see him in us. Now listen, the leaders ordered them a couple verses later, the leaders ordered them not to speak about uh, Jesus anymore. And this is what they said. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Yeah. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you've been with Jesus. Yeah. You can't help talking about him all the time. Amen. Now, one thing we've been talking about the past few weeks 
is how so many of us are going through difficulties, not just sickness and infirmities, but different, other different trials. And let me just say one thing, too. Chris uh, Hamilton is home. And I'm telling, yeah. I just saw you sitting back there, brother. Yeah. And Troy is in the house again. He's yeah. He doesn't have to sit up at the hospital. And in a few weeks, Chris, Chris, a few weeks, Chris will be back in the house too. You know, back in, uh, back in uh, the beginning of January, it might have been the last day of December, actually, that we heard about this. Uh, we were away. We were away at my aunt's house. And I just, I thought, no way. You know, we're not, we're not putting up with this anymore. And I tell you, I love the way everybody came together. We were just, we were just going to pray. We were going we to storm the gates of hell and say, look, you can't have any more, any more uh, uh, hold over us. And I, there were so many people praying for, for her. And I just, man, it's just so great to hear what the Lord has done in her life. And, and we just pray he'll continue to do it. Yeah. No, let me figure out where I was, okay? <laughs> Let's just, we'll go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. We were, we, <laughs> sorry. The people that have been going through things, Troy and, other, and Chris and, and others who have been going through things, have, to, have talked to me. They've told me about how much they appreciate how people have uh, rallied around them and uh, just, just done things for them and helped them out in different ways. And, and I was thinking about that. And I was thinking it doesn't just stop with us doing things, even though we are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. It doesn't just stop with us. It is between God in us also. Listen to, what, uh, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God wants to help us, not just, not just through others, but God actually wants to help us in our time of need. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7. In Matthew 7, starting in verse 7, he said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And Paul went on to tell the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. People are so appreciative of those with whom they are in relationship with in time of need because of the help they get. And we can be just as appreciative of God and the help he supplies. If we ask, it will be given. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, it will be opened. We are to present our request to God. He wants us to come to him, right? Now, let's go on to, uh, to talk about a little bit about the, uh, about the Holy Spirit, who is the facilitator of this relationship that we are to have with Jesus. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, 
If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be with you. He lives in you and will be with you. Now listen, if you'll notice that word advocate, it's translated comforter or helper or counselor in other translations. In a couple of translations, it's actually uh, translated as paraclete. Now, the reason that is is because the Greek word used here is parakletos. And um, let, me, let me tell you something. Let me, let me read a little bit of a definition of what parakletos means. Parakletos means summon or call to one side, especially to one's aid, one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a counselor for defense, legal assistant or advocate, or an intercessor. Okay, And as to the Holy Spirit, it says, destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to the Father, to lead them to a deeper knowledge, a deeper knowledge of the gospel truth and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the kingdom. Now, the word parakletos, parakletos, is used five times in the New Testament. In all five times, it's used by John, okay? And if you'll notice in the passage I just read, it says that Jesus said, I will send you another advocate. So who was the first advocate? It was Jesus. Listen to what John said. Uh, John, John uses uh, that uh, parakletos five times, or four times in the, uh, in the Gospel of John in, in his uh, first letter that he writes, his first epistle he writes, he uses it one more time. And this is what he says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The definition given for that parakletos in regard to Jesus is, of Christ it is his exaltation at God's right hand, pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. So we have an advocate at the Father's side pleading our cause, and we have an advocate right here with us and in us pleading our cause. Now, the three other times that John uses that uh, word in his gospel uh, is basically Jesus describing the Holy Spirit's duty. So let's, let's read this. It's John uh, 14, starting in verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the next chapter, the 15th chapter, he says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Anytime that I quote uh, Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power to be his witnesses. And here he uh, reaffirms that. 
as you must testify because he testifies. In chapter 16, he says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So, is the Holy Spirit just someone who hangs out until we need him, and then he comes running to help us? No, much more. He wants to develop a deep, intimate, experienced relationship with us. Everything we say and do is to be done through this relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. If we preach, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that people are awakened and changed from the inside out. It's not by me, it's not by Pastor Tim or Pastor Dustin or anyone else. It's by the Spirit speaking through us into a person's life that causes them to change. Listen to what Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. That's me because there's nothing wise and persuasive about me, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom, but on God's power. There's so many people that want to correct others because they're theologically not sound. And I'd like, just like to say that no one on this earth is really that theologically sound that we should pay attention to them aside from the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Spirit working in us and through us that allows us to say anything that is remotely accurate about God. Okay? Now, we want to do this same thing uh, as I'm talking about with preaching, we do the same thing with Shine Kids and with the Move, all the people that help. Anything you do, I'm telling you, the, the nursery workers, praise the Lord for the nursery workers. Sometimes you go by there and every single baby's crying. And you think, oh my goodness. And, that, and I'll tell you what, you say that in other churches, it doesn't mean that much, but you say that in this church, every single baby's crying, and that means a lot. Man, it days. Not just a lot of babies here, but a lot of babies on the way, too. Uh, and as far as our worship, it's the Spirit working through us that carries um, the praise that we need to carry to God's ears. It is the Spirit singing through us, the Spirit uh, allowing us to say what He wants to say. Uh, John, uh, Jesus said in, in John 4, a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father and the Spirit in truth. For they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And listen to what Paul says to the Ephesians. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, 
We can say this for certain. Anything and everything we want to accomplish as a church, as this church, or as the body of Christ as a whole, everything that we want to accomplish, that we need to accomplish, will never be accomplished unless and until we have surrendered ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the way of that surrender isn't a master-slave relationship. The way of that surrender is the Spirit coming alongside of us as a guide, one who will keep us on the right path and deter us, or I'm sorry, and defer us to his leading in all, in all cases. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now listen to what Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership upon us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That writer in Proverbs said, guard your heart. And God said, I've got, I'll do you one better. I'll send someone to guard your heart for you. It's by and through our relationship with the Holy Spirit that we not only accomplish what God wants, but we also live the lives that God wants us to live. Listen to what Paul said to the Romans. In Romans 8, verse 5, he said, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. We cannot live according to the Spirit until we foster that relationship with the Spirit that the Spirit wants us to have. In verse 7, he says, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So our normal inclination is to go with our own desires. It is against our fleshly feelings to live by the Spirit. But until we do that, we can't please God. Paul said it right there. He, he said to the Galatians uh, much the same thing. A lot, of, uh, a lot of theologians will tell you that Galatians is kind of a mini, mini version of Romans. He said uh, in Galatians 5, in verse 16, he said, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In verse twenty-five, he says, "Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit." We can't keep in step with the spirit unless we are in relationship with the Spirit. Yes. Now listen to, what, listen to what Jesus says again in John. In chapter 17, verse 26, he says, I have made you known to them 
and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself There's a bond between the Father and the Son. It is a bond of love. God wants us to experience that bond through his Spirit, okay? When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he comes in as the Spirit of pure, undying love between the Father and the Son. So if we are in a relationship with the Spirit, We are also in a relationship with the Father and the Son in this unbreakable bond of love, okay? Now, Jesus said, how do we we accomplish that relationship? Jesus said, come to me as a little child, right? Now, I've, I've thought about that before, and I don't know if I've said this before, told you this before, but one way... One thing that showed me something about that coming to him as a little child was years and years ago, uh, I was babysitting my niece. I don't know where my my brother-in-law and my sister were, but my niece was sitting on the couch and I was sitting in the chair and uh, she was reading a book. She was only about three, three or four, but she was reading a book and she was singing as she was reading the book. And every so often, there was a point that she came to in that song that needed a little extra emphasis. I don't know what the words to the song was. I don't even know if she knew what the words to the song were. They weren't, they weren't uh, intelligible. <laughs> but she said, uh, she would be going, ah, da, 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 and then all of a sudden, she would throw her head back. Sorry, sorry, Booth. And she would let it fly. And I was just, I was so enamored with watching her sing that song and read that book. Come to me as a little child. We have so many children in this church, so many little kids. And sometimes uh, mamas and daddies uh, don't want to let go of their kids right away, so they, keep, they bring them in here. And you can hear the baby crying or just talking, whatever they're talking. And um, it's not because they're being a little jerk, you know? <laughs> Seriously, listen. To that child, to that child... Their mother and their father is their world, okay? They don't see even the person right next to them usually unless the person's there, you know? (laughs) All they see is their mother and father and all they want to do is communicate their feelings to their mother and father. They don't understand that there's somebody up here preaching and that they don't want to interrupt them and disrupt the service. They just know that they want to talk to mommy or daddy, right? And that, and watching my, my niece, I, I got that, that sense, that teachable moment, that that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, come to me as a little child. That is your focus. That is where he wants us to look to each and every time we come across a problem. 
even when we're not having a problem, he wants us, I've talked about Mary moments before, where Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Nothing else matters but what Jesus has to say. And when Jesus says, come to me as a little child, he means your focus should be on me. And from that focus, I will let it branch out to whatever else you do in this world. Now, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make when thinking about our relationship with the Holy Spirit is that he's in this box that we carry around with us. And we bring him to church on Sunday and let him out so that he can refresh us and renew us and get us ready for the week to come. That's not the relationship he wants to have with us. It, actually, that totally misses the point of the relationship. And actually, some of, some of us, we just keep him in that box and he's like a genie. When we need him, we rub the box and he comes out and says, let me grant your wish for you. But the relationship that he wants to have with us is that he wants to live in our hearts every hour of every day. And I know it's early, but Dustin, you guys can come up actually, okay? He is to live in our hearts every day so that we can carry the love that I was talking about between the Father and the Son so that we can carry that love with us and we can let that love shine through us. Every divine appointment that he leads us to, whoever we come in contact with will see that love in our hearts and they'll want to have that love in our hearts. The Holy Spirit's presence in our lives is not just to counsel and guide and comfort us. His presence is to draw us closer and closer and closer to him. And an extension draws closer and closer to God the Father and God the Son. And as he does that, as we draw closer, every person we come in contact with will see that and they will want to draw closer and closer and closer to him. I've always loved R.A. Torrey. I don't know. I don't know how many of you know R.A. Torrey. He was a, kind of a, he was a contemporary of, uh, of D.L. Moody. He was a few, about 20 years younger, I think, but um, he worked with D.L. Moody in Chicago. And for a while, actually, he was even, uh, and I could be wrong with that, I think he was the superintendent of the, what is now the, the, uh, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. It was called something different back then, the Chicago Evangelization Society or something. But uh, he worked with D.L. Moody, and uh, he's, he's actually preached. He preached all in the, in the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s, preached all over the world. But I've always loved this quote from him on the Holy Spirit. This is, this is powerful. If we think of the Holy Spirit only as an impersonal power or influence, then our thought will constantly be, how can I get hold of and use the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person 
infinitely wise, infinitely holy, infinitely tender, then our thought will constantly be, how can the Holy Spirit get hold of and use me? Christianity is not a religion of trying to gain favor with God. And Christianity is also not a religion of, God, what can you do for me? Christianity is a religion of God reaching to us to draw us closer. And Christianity is a religion of God, what can I do for you? Or what can you do through me? Okay? I would challenge each of us, and this is us, this isn't the, me preaching to you, this is me preaching to us. I would challenge each of us to make every effort to foster our relationship with the Holy Spirit, to ask him to allow us to draw so close to him that we can't distinguish our thoughts from his. Listen, God loves us so much. And he sent his one and only son that we could draw close to him. And we shouldn't squander that. I challenge each and every one of us to foster our relationship with him so that we may draw close to him and we may feel, we may feel the reason he wants us to draw close to him because he's drawing close to us.